When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ben Simmons is dressed like Doug's friend Skeeter from the, show, the cartoon Doug on the sidelines. Like, I think Mike Ryan of Levitard said that. Like, it's, it's all bad. Like, why wouldn't you check out? Welcome back. The playoffs are in full swing, and we've got a great show for you today. Zach Harper is with us as a special guest. You know him from the Athletic NBA show, many other programs. We're going to talk Memphis Grizzlies with uh, Grizz sideline reporter Kelsey Wright-Johnson. We're going to talk with Josh Eberly of NBA.com Canada about whether uh, the Raptors have a chance now that Joel Embiid is, uh, has a torn ligament in his thumb that he's going to hold off on, on surgery for. And uh, we have a wonderful game of Take Survivor, a wonderful and thrilling and suspenseful game of Take Survivor. But first, let's uh, let's chop it up about what we're seeing uh, over uh, this weekend in the NBA playoffs. Starting with Heat Hawks, uh, we're going to be joined by producers Ryan and Zuri. Uh, fellas, how are you? Doing well. Good morning. Zach, how are you? Oh, I couldn't be better. <laughs> let's talk I about it. I could not be better. Me, me too. It's it's a delightful day, a delightful morning to wake up after a wonderful weekend of, of NBA. Let's talk about Heat Hawks uh, and the beginning, the first little uh, drops of schadenfreude caffeine that I'm going to inject into my into my bloodstream. Heat romp 110-86, commanding lead now. What did you see? Zach, start with you. Uh, I mean, the Heat have just been someone who, if they want to strangle the Hawks, they can strangle the Hawks. Like, they, right. there's... It's just all about, it's the whole like playing with your food phrase that has become overwrought <laughs> at this point. But like the problem with the heat is when they play with their food, it's usually Jimmy Butler just throwing it at teammates, you know, like that's, right. that's what ends right. up happening. And so if they want, they can destroy everything about the Hawks. There's nothing the Hawks can do because the heat have Trey Young completely clamped down uh, in this series. He's shooting. Yep. Uh, he, did you know? He's not even the leading scorer in this series for the Hawks. It's DeAndre Hunter. That's I how bad it. this is going for Trey Young. Is he? He's not even the leading scorer for the Hawks in the series. Uh, I, you know, people have been saying for as long as Trey Young has been in the league, incredible offensive talent needs to learn to play off the ball. Look at the way Steph's career like gained another level when he was able to trust his teammates to and and play off the ball and become like a dangerous floor spacer lurking on the weak side. And I think, I mean, the heat just kind of made it obvious, like whatever Trey's resistance to that is, it needs to happen or the Hawks have a very, very hard ceiling over them because the heat are like, okay, you're not going to score. You're going to give up the ball. And when you give up the ball, you're not getting it back. And we'll let these other guys do their thing and we'll see what happens. And what happens is without Kyle Lowry, they just smother the Hawks. It's wreckage. Zuri, right? I, this is one of my favorite series to watch. You know, as a Knicks fan, uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying the desecration <laughs> of the Atlanta Hawks. And I'll tell you, the one game that they got, you know, I feel like 
the the Heat have <laughs> run roughshod over the Hawks in the games that they've won. And the one game that the Hawks got, I honestly believe that it was a good duel. It was the best performance we'll probably see out of Atlanta in this series. And yet the Heat still had a chance to end it in their favor. And Jimmy just like throws that sideways two, three. I'm not even sure what it was, but it was a horrible shot. It was it was a shit. It was a shit ball. That's what it was, right? Yeah. It was a, he just threw yeah. a shit ball at the rim. That that that, that <laughs> shot tells me one thing and one thing only. And that's that Jimmy Butler wanted to win this series in game five in Miami so that he could get a proper celebration <laughs> because yeah. the that victory did not move the needle in terms of the chances of the Hawks winning this series like whatsoever for me. It was like when a Jaguar has a, mm-hmm. its paw around a gazelle and the gazelle like starts to try to walk away and yeah. it gets a few steps. And then the uh, the the Jaguar's like, oh, no, 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 no. Not yet, but eventually. Like the, the, it's, I love it. It's like I said before, it, Trey Young looks like a fourth grader playing with seventh graders out there. And even though they lost one of the most important ones, the overall just quality and depth of, of Miami is just absolutely overwhelming Atlanta. And Knicks fans, we love to see it. Come on, Jason. You know it's true. <laughs> it is It is true. It's delightful to watch. This is exactly what you wish the Knicks would have done last season had they had the personnel to do such a thing. Uh, is yeah, there well, anything? Um, Trey, Trey did say that like he hasn't been guarded like this since high school, so shout out to whoever was guarding him in high school. Shout, shout out to, to that kid. Get, get <laughs> Vincent, baby. Wild yeah. shots. Yeah, wild shots to 29 other NBA teams. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shout out to anyone that played him in college. Uh, in between yeah. that. Also, I just think that the Capella injury is being downplayed. I think that like they're the most buddy-buddy combo in the league. And without him, I think we're seeing it. And we've, we've sort of skipped past that in the series. Yeah, I agree. Like, Capella certainly is an important cog in this machine. But, like, again, everything flows through Trey. It's all designed to work the way it works because Trey has the ball and is able to do the things that he does. And when you take that out of the equation, we watch what happens. Actually, I think the Hawks have looked their best when Bogey or Hunter has been able to create a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're making their runs. Like That's when it's happening. So they need to look at this and they need to say, OK, Trey, like I know that you don't necessarily want to play off the ball, but guess what? You kind of have to because this is how teams are. The Heat are giving everybody the blueprint right now. And you're going to see this for the rest of your career. They would have this swept the it. Hawks if Compella played because they would have taken the Hawks way more serious than they did. I don't think that at any point <laughs> in this, like I think I think you're I think against any other team, Capella not being out there would have would have really mattered. And it's not that he's not important. I just think like, because he's yeah. not there, they're like, I got to worry about Gorgie Jang or Onyeka Okongwu. Uh-huh. Like, no, nah, nah, we're good. Like, BJ yeah. Tucker last night was like, trying to start a fight and Okongwu was just like, just doing like, he's just looking off to the side. He's still talking, but he's just like, looking <laughs> away kind of thing. Like, he, he, they knew the Hawks didn't want any part of him. Uh, and this is a, you know, the the other thing that I think people are worried about with the with the heat, and I think rightfully so, is like, do they have the depth? Uh, so big win for them to do it without without Lowry and just kind of show that that is a thing. But I still, going forward, this team needs to not get injured like all the other teams that are <laughs> that are uh, pushing their way through the through the playoffs and have been slotted as teams to watch. What you know, Philly, the Bucks, the Suns, etc. This is a team. The Heat can't get injured. None of their guys can get hurt. Period. Okay, let's move on to, to uh, the next game. Nuggets Warriors. 
Nikola Jokic, where are we? Okay, where are we in the running? Uh, does he deserve MVP debate now? <laughs> after Nikola Jokic showed up, what are we doing, Jason? What are we way? doing? <laughs> Why is this the fucking move of like, ah, oh, this guy, he's an MVP candidate? Oh, you're, oh my god, look what he's doing. Wait. The Warriors are better than them? Get this guy out of here. Like, let's, like, retract these votes. Everything's redacted. Like, everything's got to be removed. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> this, is where, this is where we are. So where do we stand now after Nikola Jokic has a, has a huge game? Uh, where do we stand now uh, after a Nuggets win to stave off a sweep? Uh, you know, shots. First of all, shouts to him. He needed that. Uh I here here's why we're here with the with this MVP debate because it looks a little goofy as a regular season. This is the weakness of the entire sure. award. We saw it when Dirk won his, Dirk won yeah. his right. It's a regular season award. It's always been okay, but we award it during the playoffs, and it looks goofy if the guy who won MVP. <laughs> Is not there it, anymore. Also, That's isn't it. around to like accept the award, right? Because you love to have that on court yeah, ceremony, it, it, like game one of round two. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, and and so and so that's why. And if you're gonna win your second one, this is not written anywhere. It's right. It's kind of the unwritten rules. I think everybody's instinct. Maybe it's because we've all played video games. And the second boss is always harder than the first boss. You feel like the second one should be harder to win. So if you're also eliminated in the first round again, it feels weird. That's all. It, it just is, feels but weird. This is this. They're not facing Glass Joe. They're facing fucking Mike Tyson and like five of Mike, Mike Tyson's. Like at once. Like that's what they're doing. This isn't. This isn't like oh, this game's gonna get progressively harder if they somehow beat the Warriors. Like let's just say for some reason they beat the Warriors in round one. They come back oh right. three whatever. Yeah. This is the hardest opponent they're gonna face. Yeah, I agree. My- I agree. I mean that's that's what, what looks weird. Well, let me ask you, every everyone, who is the Nuggets' second best player? It's Will Barton, right? As of today, <laughs> as of this moment, is it? worse yesterday. I mean, he had like he, had, he had, I, I mean, like it's it's like whoever decides to be there. It's definitely not Aaron I, Gordon at any given Aaron time. Gordon. Even when he has a good game, it's never Aaron Gordon. What a waste of ninety-two million dollars coming up. My my theory on the Warriors is uh, like, you know, how are they going to lose? How are they going to be slowed down? Is it possible that if Jordan Poole like just thinks he's a superstar, there's that moment where Clay was asking for the ball over the weekend, and he kind of just shook him off and, 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 like, did his own thing. Do you think that Jordan Poole could be the demise of the Warriors if he's just, his head gets too big? The, the too much of a good thing? Like, he gets he gets crazy and is like, it is me yeah. right now. I'm Neo, I just, I'm Neo in yeah. the Matrix. Like, I stopped the bullets and it's, now is the time to fight all the Agent Smiths. I, I, I don't, I feel like they're too well coached with too strong a culture. Is that I, I kind of think they should not bring Steph back to the starting lineup. It's just let Jordan like start things out, do what he's going to do. And then the adult gets to come in here and clean up the mess <laughs> and like, you know, do everything. And then like Jordan can still do whatever, but I kind of feel like not that I, it also would drive the internet crazy if Steph won finals MVP as the sixth man, I think it would really mess with everybody. And so I kind of think like the whole Jordan pool aspect, the way you allow him to think he's the guys, let him keep starting. And then Steph just, just comes in and is like, okay, let's let's settle things down yep. by making things more chaotic for the opponent. I, I think there's a chance, okay. Zuri, that what you say may come to fruition simply because of the youth of Poole. Although I do agree that the Warriors are, have too strong a culture and are 
too good a coach to allow it to happen. But until it happens, until that manifests in any way, keep starting pool because Curry off the bench is absolutely devastating. And oh I feel God. like it, it, it's, it's, it's a hope drainer it's for like insane. the opposition when they're like battling the starting lineup. You watch the, the arena's shoulders like as a group just slump. Because I think they forget. In. I think they forget that Steph's yeah. on the, and then he gets up off the bench and they're like, oh, come on. What are we doing? Like, this isn't fair. Yeah. Shimmying. Oh, my God. Yeah. He just comes, he just walks on the court shimmying, and it's just like, it's just the death shimmy. Like, that's what it is. It's like Prince and Chappelle show. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of Warriors fans in the arena, and I I just have to say, this would never happen if we had a strong hooligan culture, like Mm -hmm. in English soccer Mm -hmm. here in the United States. Also, I love the fact that Warriors fans are pissed at what you guys just said by saying they're well coached because they hate Steve Kerr for some reason. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I know. Well, they they just, yeah. That is one of the most mystifying, if I may, like really, truly mystifying takes is like, oh, Steve, Steve, look what they, you know, it's like, look what they did to Wiseman. Like, what's going on with these rotations? I was like, are you guys serious? Like, what is, I guess that's just what happens Mm -hmm. when you succeed. When you ruin basketball. Nothing is ever good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's let's move on to Bucks Bulls. We have, it, it certainly appears now, a fully engaged and operational uh, Giannis, uh, 3-1 series lead, Bucks win 119-95. It was like a end-to-end butt whooping. And with Alex Caruso out, folks, this is going to be a wrap. Any thoughts here? Zach? Um, I've seen some people, and look, I get it. You want to bargain a little bit when you're a Bulls fan. Like you had a, a good sure. step forward and you weren't, you couldn't even make the playing tournament team last year or playing tournament game last year after acquiring Vooch. And like, now look at you top six seed best team in the league in the first half of the season, or at least in the Eastern conference, first half of the season, it felt really good to be back. The bulls were back Shout yeah. out to Trey Kirby, but you could put Gary Payton in his prime and Gary Payton too, in, in his current state <laughs> in that starting lineup. And you're not going to be able to defend with Vooch DeRozan and Levine out there. Like you just can't, this You're's was always going to happen. You can't do it. Yeah. You've got to outscore people, period. Game four was ugly for them, but game three was actually like the worst beatdown. So since they were able to come back and even the series at one, it's just been like two 20 plus point margins of defeat. And, you know, there's probably going to be one more and then the Bulls will call it a season. Yeah. Here's what confuses me about the Bucs. They've been a flip the switch team since before they won the title. Like in a weird, a weirdly unearned we're going to flip the switch squad. And then after they won the title, it's like, okay, now they're going to solidify it. Now they've realized what it takes, what, you know, the, the things they have to do to be this dominant championship squad, like all the time. And now they've only just like continued to be like, okay, what's the path of least, least resistance all the time. Why do they do this? It's hu- Why does it's this human, happen? Right? Why do I wait till the last day to file my taxes? Like I just, <laughs> I do. It's true. It's true. It's, it's very true. Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, man. Suns wow, Pelicans. I love that that's Uh-oh. all the Bucks Bulls get. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. It's, it's the shit's over. It's it's fucking over. It's over. Okay, well, I guess we should say like, what do we without Middleton going forward? What do we think? Still, still, like, I I still have them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm- <laughs> But it's going to be really tough without me. I don't know. I'm frustrated by how efficient Grayson Allen is. He's 
like leaps and bounds better than he was when he got in the league. And I think each it's year the he's worst. a little more efficient. Maybe it's really, maybe he it's holds really it down annoying. in the meantime until Chris comes back. But um, that's it. And then I just like watching Zach Levine play basketball. We'll be a little more game out of that. And then uh, play some season. I mean, the really fascinating thing about these playoffs, and we've talked about it before, is that like every single team is missing like one very important component to it. So it's like the Heat without Lowry or the Bucks without Middleton or the 76ers with a damaged in bid. Really the only team that's been able to escape this uh, this health bug to this point is the Celtics. And that's probably why we see them having the success that they are against the Nets team that can't really get into it. But um, I don't think that any one player missing can change like the dynamic or the outlook for finals contending teams simply because it's kind of even throughout the conference. I still think that the Bucks have a floor of the, I want to say of the Eastern conference finals. Wow. Okay. Let's move on to uh man game four Pelicans, Suns, Pelicans win one eighteen, one Oh three. And folks, I thought the Suns should win this series regardless with, uh, you know, despite Booker's, hamstring injury that's going to keep him out for an unknown amount of time. But the Pelicans uh, went on a romp. 118-103, Brandon Ingram continues to show the nation why he is a really, really, really good player. Jose Alvarado got into his bag a little bit. Got into his bag. (laughs) Annoying the shit out of Chris Paul. (laughs) Was Bronny down there? Uh, let me say this about, okay, TNT, whoever is going to air these games, or it's TNT right now. Uh, when Jose Alvarado is on the floor, right, and say uh, the, the Pelicans come down, they score, say uh, Jonas goes inside, he scores, and then like every normal telecast, the camera follows Jonas as he runs back down the court. Don't do that when Alvarado is on the floor. When Alvarado is on the floor, keep it in the backcourt, because that's where the action is. We missed a couple of good Alvarado mm-hmm. moments because the camera followed the guy who had just scored. And don't do that anymore. We want to see this. I, I was saying in the in the uh, pre-pro, this reminds me of the uh, 2001 first round matchup between the Heat and the Charlotte, then Charlotte Hornets. The Heat, everybody expected them to just like wrap around these young, the young Hornets led by Baron Davis, like a, like a Python and just choke the life out of them. But then the Hornets had this like edge of athleticism and they just kept running at the heat. And all of a sudden you realize, Oh shit. The heat are kind of old, like in important Mm -hmm. spots. And I'm not saying the Pelicans are going to win, but the way they won made you realize not that we needed to realize it, but it like made us realize, oh shit, Chris Paul's a little, he, he old. <laughs> He's, he is old. Like it was all cute when he was telling Alvarado, get out, get out of here, kid, you bother me. But now. <laughs> he turned into a 30s monster. <laughs> yeah. Because like, get out of here, yeah, you bother me. But, but like, uh, you know, Chris Paul is like a Porsche on gas fumes and Alvarado is a Prius who doesn't need to be filled up right now. And it's just, doesn't it doesn't look great uh okay what do we think is going to happen with this series certainly uh man what a way to lose series tied 2-2 now i i still say the suns you know in six but it's i don't know now i've been thinking a lot lately i want to get caught up in the moment 
Like, uh, yeah, like I'm gonna be wrong yeah, so much, like but it. who cares? I'm wrong all the time anyway. Like, you know what? Pelicans and six. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Pelicans yeah. Six. I don't even know if I believe it. I don't care. That's what I want. Chaos. I want. Like, I would love for the the Suns at full strength, Devin Booker back to go there, march back to the finals, and just put on a show. I think that would be fun. I want to see them against the Warriors or the Grizzlies in the conference finals. I want to see all that shit. But there is part of me that I respect the hell out of how the Pelicans didn't give up. Like they were one in 12 this year and then they're three and 16. And then the rest of the way they went like 33 and 30, like for three quarters of the season, this was a good above 500 team missing their most important player. And all they did was like, like get these rookies up to speed to be able to play big minutes in playoff games trade for CJ McCollum, like believe in Brandon Ingram to do stuff. You know, they shifted Devonte Graham's role like 13 times. They tried to figure out how are you good? Like, how can we make you <laughs> yeah. even passable on this court after giving you so much money? Like they've just kept adjusting and adapting. And Willie Green's like a really good coach. He's a good coach, uh, but incredible series, man. I'm, it's hard not to root for the Pelicans. Uh, let's go now to my favorite series ever in the history of earth and the NBA It is. <laughs> It is the uh, the Celtics ongoing sweep <laughs> of the of the absolutely shambolic, chaotic, and just learning about each other Brooklyn Nets. They just need time to gel, guys. Here's the thing: look at the Celtics. They've been together the whole season, longer than that even, and they've had time to get to know each other. Here's the problem with the Nets: they just they're just figuring it out. You know, they just need time to, to, to get it together. That's, or at least that's the message that is coming out of the of Nets world from Steve Nash, from, from Kyrie, from, from KD a little bit. Ky- KD is the only buddy is the only person over there who we listen to is worth talking, you know, worth listening to what they say anyway, who seems to kind of understand the magnitude of the bag fumble that is happening. Right. And the reality, like the real scope of it. Kyrie is still like, oh man, how'd this happen? So weird. Yeah. I don't know what anybody could have done differently, but this is just, you See, know, that, it's just the thing that that's happened. That's I disagree and, with you. And where who knows Kyrie's why. the only one I want to hear from at this point. Like, because <laughs> he has so little awareness. Um, I think it was you that was like hot dog car engine revs or something. It's yes. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I wish we could get that time back. <laughs> you idiot. You could yeah, have the time October, the whole time. Like, what are you doing? But it said you had to be a voice for the voiceless. Well, you didn't say anything. And by the way, the voiceless had a yes. loud voice in the streets. They, they're, they're still, still speaking. There. Masks are gone yeah. now. They're still like, get them out of here. Don't even make them anymore. Let me let me ask about this clip. So there is a there's a clip going viral of Kyrie after the game leaving with a lot of bags. This is a home game. Series ongoing. Did he clean out his locker already? What is happening? Why does Kyrie travel with this much Do stuff? Do you think that he was living in the Barclays Center once he was allowed to go back there? <laughs> you just didn't want to leave. <laughs> if I told you I had inside sources that said Kyrie Irving has been living in the Barclays Center ever since he's been back with the team, would you be like, that's crazy. There's no way that's true. Or would you think, okay, maybe I'll, I'll listen to more. I. I mean, Kanye did it. <laughs> right. kind of, you know, it's like kind of like a Kanye move. Well, it's the same source that said Ben's going to play a game for us. It's, it's the same guy. Oh <laughs> well, God. Steve Nash, breaking news, folks. Uh, Steve Nash was asked this morning uh, about Ben. In, <laughs> sorry, it's just really is funny. Ben in a possible game five. I don't know. We'll see how he progresses. <laughs> he should just wear that on a shirt at this point. 
He should just wear it, this Nets monogram, and then I don't know. We'll see how he progresses, and that should just be there. I really believe the Celtics should throw Game Four just to put Steve on the spot. I think they should throw Game Four and Five. They know they're going to win. Yeah. There's no part of them that's not going to win this series at this point. They are so I and look, I went into this. I think I, I think I cowardly picked the Celtics in seven because I was like, I don't know, like I don't know how this yeah. goes. But I wanted to pick yeah. the Nets the whole time, and I do believe like the Nets when KD played this year were on pace for 53 wins. The Heat yeah. won the one seed with 53 wins, right? Like so, when KD played, this was yeah. a very good team, or at least a successful team in terms of win percentage, all that bullshit. But right. I did like the fact that this is the fallout that this is the way it's gone. You like, you could tell me that the Celtics forfeited games four, five and six. And we go to game seven. Like they're going to, they're going to wax this Nets team. KD at at a certain point, like of course, KD and Kyrie are incredible. KD is probably the best score we've ever seen ever at a certain point playing 37, 38, 40 minutes being the focal point like that. You're, you just get tired, man. You just get tired over time. Uh, to the Ben Simmons of it all. <laughs> uh, everybody, let me just say this to Clutch Communications. Clutch PR. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a colossal fuck up, you guys. You can't. So, you know, earlier in the series, they're leaking. Oh, Ben may play. Ben's getting ready. He's targeting game four. He's going to play. Like he's going to get on the court. He's going to play. And they ask Ben about it. He's like, I can't wait to help my team. It's been hard sitting there, but I've been vocally supportive and I, I, I need to get out there. Yada, 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 game four. But always there was that caveat barring setbacks, barring set. So everybody knew again, Ben ain't playing. He ain't played in a year. He ain't played with these guys before. They're, they're not going to throw him out there. They're talking about need time to gel. They're going to throw a new guy out there in the mix. Famously plug and play <laughs> Ben Simmons. Well, I mean, he didn't even right? play in, in Philly. And, and, like a month and a half. Yeah. Right. And so like, as, right. So like the whole time th- that Ben is saying, oh yeah, they're targeting game. And then clutch PR is saying, is leaking. We assume it's clutch, right? Leaking to, to Woj and everybody. Oh, at targeting game four. He's going to play. They're asking simultaneously, Steve Nash and Steve's laughing and going, what? <laughs> Who? What? Huh? Clutch. You need to coordinate with the other stakeholders in this conversation, if you're going to leak something like this, so it so other people who have voices in this don't go, wait, what? I No, that's not going to happen. And then nobody believes that it's going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, everybody makes fun of you. You are like, whatever mm-hmm. your attempt to, to bolster the trade value of Ben Simmons is, you're actually like undercutting it with this. You guys yeah. fucked this up. Jason understands this better than than most people. Like he has such a good handle on like how this stuff goes. I could not disagree more because I think this is better content. So I think you should never <laughs> yes. coordinate well, with anybody. True. Like Clutch, right. you guys got this. You do it your way. Ben Simmons still collecting money. You do it your way. <laughs> good luck on the arbitration, uh, by the way. Clutch Sports. I'm pulling for you. Someone said that Ben Simmons is dressed like Doug's friend Skeeter from the, show, the cartoon Doug on the sidelines. Like I think Mike Ryan of Levitard said that. Like it's it's all bad. Like why wouldn't you check out? All right. So we're recording this on Monday morning. Super fun weekend of basketball. Excited to see what happens next. Uh, we're gonna have Kelsey from the Grizzlies uh, coming up, fellas. Fun conversation.
you take two of the fastest teams in the league by pace, you add a combustible mix of animal rights, protests, father bonding, trash talk, swagger, small market braggadocio. And what do you have? You have, uh, you have really, I think the most exciting series of the first round of the playoffs. You have uh, Grizzlies Timberwolves and to help us talk about it. It's Memphis Grizzlies sideline reporter, Kelsey Wright Johnson, Kelsey, welcome to take line. Thank you for joining us. What's going on. Kelsey, how do people keep getting so close to the court so they could get on it? Well, let's, let's go there first. Did you witness the Memphis version of the court invasion? So I was there. Yeah. But I was on the complete other side. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I saw, and I don't know if this was even like captured, is like they initially like threw a bunch of like pamphlets or something. That I saw. I saw that. Yeah. That was on the the broadcast for sure. Okay. It was. Okay. So then there was also foul shots happening. So like that's where you're paying attention to. So then the pamphlets were like, oh, someone dropped something. Like, I, I don't know what the heck happened. I don't know. Are we are we surprised they haven't brought actual chickens into the mix? Because it doesn't seem like security is great. Security got better last night at the Target Center because we had just an amazing tackle by the the guy who's... Yes, shouts to Pierre, Pierre, who uh, probably the second most impressive Minnesota performance in this series so far was Pierre just tackling a a random woman. But um, but I, I just feel like at this point that it's so easy for them to get on. And I look, I I. I'm pro animal rights and everything. I can't imagine okay. what's happening to these chickens, but I just, I feel like it's going to continue to escalate. Like someone's going to come in a chicken costume or they're going to throw chickens from the ceiling or something. Like, are you prepared for what's next? Uh, I don't feel like these plans have been that good. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> to be like fair, you, you the- weren't there for the glued hand to the floor. Okay. You weren't there for that. Kelsey. But like, okay, first of all, glue does not dry that quickly. Number two, the plan yesterday was to give a technical foul to Glenn Taylor and eject him from the game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, I think <laughs> like Zach, I, I, lo- I care about the animals too. I think factory farming is, is terrible. It's terrible. I do think that right now, with inflation very, very high and the global supply chain uh, constrained because of war and various other things, maybe now is not the right time to like do something that would potentially like raise the price of food, which falls disproportionately on lower income people. Like, let's, I, I agree, factory farmers got to go, but like maybe not right now. Also, the reason that Glenn Taylor's farms are, and many, many other uh, poultry farms are like, uh, euthanizing millions of birds is because there's a bird flu outbreak in like the Midwest and the Eastern part of the country. Bird flu, if it jumps to people is like very deadly. And you know what? Again, I love animals, but like if the birds have the bird flu, they got to go. And I'm sorry about it, but they do have to go people. All of which is to say, this is not the way to do it. Direct action uh, folks. But I, but I understand. Uh, it is a little weird that a Glenn Taylor operation would be mismanaged, but that's another topic for another <laughs> okay. day. Like that's yeah. only happened for like 25 years at this point. Kelsey, what is the vibe in Memphis right now? What is the, what is the excitement level and what is, you know, the transition. We all remember the the wonderful grit and grind run this is a completely different team that plays like that mixes the attitude of grit and grind with a lightning pace. Um, 
and just it feels like the city is really coalesced around this team. So what's the vibe there right now? Yeah, the players talk about that a lot, actually, because, I mean, some of them, no, I would say some of them weren't alive, but they're not that young. They remember, <laughs> they remember that era. And so they talk about kind of incorporating that into their attitudes, like you said, and then playing their own style of basketball, which has been really cool. I was not here for that era, but I've heard a lot about it. Like when they went to the Western Conference final, mm-hmm. like everyone always talks about that. They have those same traditions here, which I think is pretty cool. Like they love their growl towels. They yes. love what that trick. And uh, I think, so this is my third season here. In my first season, they'd always be like, oh, like wait till we get to play whoop that trick. Like it's so cool. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, like it's a song. <laughs> but actually like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't know. I was just like, all right, like that's cool. Like do your thing. I don't know what that is, but vibe out everyone. Being there. For the playoffs, when they play that, when you know you're kicking the other team's butt, it, it I can now say, is insane. And, like, the Memphis, the arena's not huge. Mm-hmm. And the seats aren't, like, like, you know in the Barclays Center how the seats are very much like this? The seats yeah. are not like that. Like, you are like on top of the floor. It is so fun. Even the watch party for the away games, they're having a watch party right over by, um, kind of on the river. It had, like, hundreds and hundreds of people there last night. Like, it's just, I think they, the Grizzlies are the main thing here. We're not a multi-sport city. We don't have a hockey team or a baseball team. And so when this team is doing well now, everyone, like there, everyone's in Grizzlies jerseys. Everyone is behind this team. It's been fun and different than the last two seasons. Kelsey, I think you and I talked about this a couple months ago on NBA radio, but the bravado and the shit talking of this team is like my favorite thing in the NBA this year. Like I just... I love it so much, but it's one thing to do it as like a young team to do it as like a 56 win two seed. like it puts so much more pressure on a young team. And I I actually mean this in in like the nicest way. Are they too naive and young to know like what kind of pressure that's supposed to add to like what's at stake here? Because there's a lot of expectations now, right? Like they're like, it's up there. Yeah. 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 And we, we, talk about that too and I think that they prefer to be fueled from still being that underdog and so I think it may be somewhat being naive or like not have experienced it but I mean that's an interesting way to think about it I I wouldn't have put it in those words but I don't think I disagree that maybe that is what it is because Mm -hmm. they are like who's the oldest person on the team right now like Kyle Anderson right like they are like they're young they have like they don't have that experience I guess Steven would have some playoff experience Tyus has maybe a little bit but um yeah I just think they're I I like to say confident they're just confident in what they're doing and and very yeah very like unapologetic (laughs) like jaw has changed kind of like even the attitude of the other guys on the team like I've seen their attitudes change the more that he rubs off on them and so Mm -hmm. I mean if that's the way that they're going to build their confidence them versus everyone and and they are not scared to tell you. What was your personal favorite example this season? It can be the postseason, the regular season of the Grizz just like rubbing a team's face in the whole L. Because it's like... <laughs> I, know, my, I know mine. I know mine as well, but I'll, I'll wait to see I'll, I'll wait to see what, uh, Kelsey, what you Wait, think. wait, wait. Can you guys 
Can you guys tell me your favorites first? I think we probably have the same one. It's the Laker, the Laker game. Yeah, it's the Laker. The, 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 it's, the, where, the Laker. it's where Desmond Bain is talking so much shit to LeBron, and then LeBron goes and like dunks on Jaron right the next play, and he's like puffing his chest like you're yeah. down 18. What are yeah. you doing? And then they yeah. killed him by like 30, and it's just like they didn't care. They didn't respect it was LeBron. So good. They're just like it was get so out of here, old man. And LeBron, like, and LeBron was like, you better hey. <laughs> you better, you, you gotta stop this. And they're just. Like I'm gonna call laughing, neighborhood watch on you, kids. Like, that's what it was. In his face, it yeah. was so good. I think he like um, he like brushed by Des right yeah. there, and Desmond's like, I'm not scared of those. Like, what did he say? Like, I'm not scared of those. Uh, uh, the paws, the footsteps. He's like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other one that would probably be most known is Jaws post game, and I know that's not like in the thing, but when he's like, we don't duck, no smoke. Like, we're not scared of anyone. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, there's just been too many to count, I think. And some some of them probably have to come from Dylan Brooks, too. Like, we're talking about Dez and Jaw, but, like, Dylan's the best trash talker on the team. We probably just don't see those ones as much <laughs> because they're, like, in the person's ear. Right. <laughs> I do like the idea I mean, of him. Jaw's, Jaw's dad, too. Oh, it's my God. The whole, it's oh my the gosh. whole everyone. He talks trash as well as everyone else, and he's always sitting courtside, so. And he's, like, totally fine just, like, and I know they're friends and they're joking. He's just totally fine, like, calling Carl Anthony Town Sr. He's like, you're not going to fit in my son's jersey. Like, he's just fat shaming him. They're just like, yeah, this is great. Like, this is so fun. I mean, he he shamed him the other way, too. Yeah. He was like, you're oh, not yeah. going to Oh, fill for out sure. No, jersey. it's, like, totally mutual and loving. Yeah. You can tell there's real admiration there. But it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. T-Rant, like, might be the best trash talker out of all of them. Oh, absolutely. It's so yeah. fun. Uh, you mentioned something, uh, touched on something I think is really interesting about this team. Obviously, the, the Grizz take a huge amount of their, their swagger and their personality from Ja and his confidence and the way he plays. But also... Something I think is really unique about this team, and it's been evident all throughout the regular season, is they also pick him up when either he's not having a game in which he's scoring particularly well, or even when he's out. That everybody knows about what a, what a strong record the team had when when he was out for a stretch. How how have they developed that? How have they been able to like rally or not just take their personality from job, but then? fill in the blanks when he is maybe not having the best gamers, maybe not even there. I think if this was an easy answer, more teams would replicate it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more credit goes to guys like Tyus Jones, who don't get a lot of recognition, but who are just like really solid backup second unit guys. And I also think it goes so underrated that this team is just really deep. And so you look at like, you look at the roster, right? And you're like, why is this team number two in the West? Why is this team number two in the NBA right now? Mm-hmm. And I, you would look at it on paper and be like, the Nets should be better. Boston should be better. Like, you can go down the list. But it's just like the depth. They, they might not have like three 10 out of 10 guys, but they have 10 guys that are like seven, eight out of 10 that like other people would not necessarily put on their rosters. And I think the front office has done a really good job too in terms of like fit. Like, if you put John Conchar on the Nets, he doesn't have the same season that that he did this year. And he was relatively unknown. He was on the G League team here last year. So I just think a lot goes to depth and a lot goes to the job that, honestly, Tyus Jones has been able to do when Ja was out for however many games he was out. Like, he didn't even qualify for, um, what was it, 56 games, right, to qualify for the leaderboards. And so Tyus Jones, man, he gets a new contract this year. He's good. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I mean, you know, this is in team building, you kind of have to get lucky sometimes. And 
the Grizz have just knocked it out of the park with their with their drafting. What is you know Dylan Brooks was what, what was he like the forty fifth pick? Yeah, like the, uh, you know Des. Des. Yeah. It's like they've really just cr- Bane crushed it with these like late draft picks that are just crushing it at a very very high level right now. Desmond and Bane was thirtieth. It's what? crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I think they thought he was too muscular. Do you think that was it? They were like, I, this guy's... They just like, mu- that's a linebacker. Like, that's right. what that is. Like, the wrong it sport. It might be more like a, <laughs> yeah. a measurable thing, right? Like, his wingspan yeah. is not... His wingspan is not what whoever else is in front of his was. Yeah. But, like, he broke records in college. Yeah. And I guess sometimes the college game also doesn't translate to NBA, but that was seamless for him. He's, he's a yeah. shooter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder, like... There's no way they thought he would be this good, right? But well, right. any any of these guys, they may have thought like, because like you said, like they have ten guys who are like seven or better, right? Right. I would imagine like you're grabbing a guy thirtieth, you're like, all right, he could be a five for us, like right. five out of ten, or this guy can be a six. Like if you get a rotation guy anywhere outside the top ten in you're the draft, you're like, oh God, great, we did, we did our yeah. job. And for them, it's like, oh, we have a we have like nine number three guys now. <laughs> yeah, like we have right. nine guys <laughs> who can like be the third option on this team. And it and like you said, like t- someone like Tyus Jones who was in Minnesota and was kind of like, yeah. couldn't find a spot there. Couldn't find the right role. Like he goes there and it's like, Hey, you're behind jaw. Go pick up. Like whenever he's out of the game, whether he's playing or just, you know, on the bench for a breather and like everyone just steps up and it's, that shouldn't happen with the young team. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's just like a perfect fit. Yeah. Like the fit is, and you see this all the time. Like when guys just get drafted to the wrong team and they're like, yeah. a, kind of somewhat of a dud. And then they go to mm-hmm. a new team and they're like, Oh wait, like, where was this guy this whole time? As a Knicks fan, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the playoffs, so officiating is going to be a, a big part of the conversation. You know, witness Joel Embiid uh, d- derisively clapping at the refs a few days ago, and there's plenty <laughs> other examples of, of a similar kind. Um, it, Coach Taylor Jenkins is uh, was pretty vociferous about his thoughts about the officiating after the last game. Um, it is an extremely physical game uh, and is the intensity is seems to be ratcheting it up like every quarter as the series progresses. What, what are your thoughts on on how the, the officiating has been? The game it tipped off yesterday at nine o'clock. It did not end until 1230. Oh my God. There was 18 foul shots taken by one team in the first quarter. Like, call me crazy, but I think, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna refer to something that Dylan Brooks said after the game yesterday mm-hmm. because obviously none of us have played in NBA playoff basketball, but he said he always watched in his first three years, he always watched playoffs and thought it was far more physical, far faster, a little looser, and he said it's been the complete opposite. He says, like, he feels like they're touching the air and things are being called both ways. He didn't say it was necessarily, like, just mm. on them. He was saying it was, like, 56 or 58 fouls called in a 48-minute mm. point, a game yesterday. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. You get too one much. minute of straight basketball. No. No, there's, like, no flow to it at all. And, like, so if you're the – I think if you're if you're Memphis or even Minnesota to a certain extent, like, I think you can expect game five with the complaining from – from I think kind of both sides, but mostly like justified by Memphis side, the fact that you yeah. have 25 fouls in your starting lineup is insane. And so I think like you can expect the calls to be fewer and fewer in game five. And I think that for Memphis, like 
I know Minnesota likes to play fast, but Memphis just seems more comfortable playing fast. They seem to be more controlled within that chaos. Yeah, because they'd, they'd obviously rather score in transition than play mm-hmm. up against a, a set defense. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was funny after the game yesterday too. Ja was like, yeah, how did I, what did, he had three or four, right? And he was like, I don't yeah. even foul like that. I don't remember yeah, right. the last time Ja yeah. had four fouls. Right. Ever. Uh, Jenkins called the game like inconsistently officiated and arrogantly officiated. I love that. I love that. Whoa. It's like (laughs) that is a, if I made as much, if I made as much money as Taylor Jenkins, I would have paid his fine for him. Like that's such a great line. Dylan Brooks said he's going to pay the fine. Yeah. (laughs) I absolutely love that. And by the way, like that's what you have to do at this level. Like Pat Mm -hmm. Riley, Phil Jackson, they would start the conversation about the officiating before the series kicked off, mm-hmm. you know, saying, hey, well, they hack us all the time and they, you know, they, they get away with this and that. And, you you know, but of course the referees don't care because blah, 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 blah. So I just I, I do love this. I think this is great. Um, gosh, what has been your favorite part of this series thus far? Which, again, I think is one that I think a lot of people, myself included, figured there's some matchup things that that make you think, oh, this is going to be an exciting series, but not necessarily a long one. And it's looking like it could potentially go seven. Uh, you know, the the Timberwolves make a million mistakes all the time, but <laughs> they have this they have the scoring punch to like overcome it. Like we we like to make fun of them because of the uh, two blown double digit leads. Mm-hmm. forgetting the fact that they also had two dub- big double-digit leads. So, what you know, this is going to be an exciting series. What has been your favorite part thus far? Uh, I would say other than, like, the atmosphere of winning at home, that's, like, so cliche. I yeah. think it's so the, – the game where you come back from to 25 points. It's deficits. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I think not it's, only does that show. So crazy. Right? That's like the it doesn't most make... wolf shit ever. <laughs> it really uh, to blow is two 25 point games. One in each half is the most wolf shit it's ever. So Patrick Beverly went off the backboard to himself like he was Vince Carter in the first quarter. What like that that, that was that game. <laughs> and then the we in Minnesota now. Oh my god. <laughs> Jaws, that's why Jaws the best at this trash talk, Greg, because he he just, he didn't have to go, he just like a simple quote tweet. That's all it took. And he he just like, oh my God. He had that, he had that drafted before he went and did his press conference because he was like, I have a video coming for you guys. (laughs) Wait, the minute he steps off the stage. Boom. Oh my God. What a master. (laughs) What a masterful trash talker. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to that's got to be it, though, right? Like, that yeah, just I mean, shows it's amazing. Not only the resilience, and then they got to talk even more insane trash talk after that because they're like, "All right, now we're up." And like, what were you guys doing? Like, wh- why'd you let us do that? My favorite meme after the after the fact was a, a screenshot of Pat Beverly doing the uh, too small uh, you know, <laughs> hand gesture <laughs> along with the two <laughs> the two twenty plus point leads. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, how do you how do you even like get ready for Game Five with how? Because yeah. this this series, like, I think we all believe. Well, maybe we don't all believe this. I think we all believe like Memphis is the better team and will win this, right? I, like, I, I, I believe. I mean, that. I, I believe yeah. That. Well, I and it's Minnesota. Like, even if they weren't, yeah, it's Minnesota. So, like, they'll find a way. But how do you even prepare for Game Five of like what to expect? Because I feel like this has been all over the place. I think it has, but I think that the Grizzlies have shot like. 30% from the field and none of it has come from the way that they want. Like the fast break points have been 10, 11 points every game. And so mm-hmm. I don't think they've actually played 
a, a good game yet. I know it sounds crazy because they've won two playoff games, but I don't think they've played a good game yet. Jaw hasn't had a game like Jaw. Jaren's been fouled out every game. Not fouled yeah. out, but like, you know, he's taking yeah. a lot of time on the bench. Um, I mean, Dylan's had an okay game. Dez had a really good game. He's been shooting well. But like, I, I think to come out and have a game where you actually can, at the end of the game, look at the box score and be like, okay, this is Grizzlies yeah. basketball. This is how Memphis has played all season. They haven't had yes. they haven't had that yet. They've just been better twice than a seven seed, which they should be. Right, <laughs> especially that seven seed. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know if you, you know, could say that. I'll say that. I'm fine with it. I mean, the other seven seeds not doing very well either. On <laughs> yeah, the I guess like if you're the seven seed, you just suck for reason. Yeah, it's like yeah, there's a reason you're down there. You might get swept. You might blow two 25 point leads in the same game. Who knows? Pick your poison. Yeah. Um, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck in the rest Thanks, of the Kelsey. series. Uh, super fun. Tell Jaren to stop fouling. I agree with Taylor. Honestly. I agree with Taylor on everything that he said, but I do think. I do think Jaren needs to stop fouling. That's all. You let, but that okay? But that last foul yesterday. Yeah, I. Oh. I yeah. yeah, I'll start I, a fight. Yeah, I agree. That one no, was no, crazy. Listen, that one was crazy. But I do just in general, like he's is could be like one of the greatest defensive players like in the league. Just please stop fouling. That's all. That's all. Uh, excited for this series to continue. I'm hoping it goes seven. Uh, Kelsey, thanks again. <laughs> She didn't like that. She wants to be done in six. I know. You want it? I get it. (laughs) Chris in six, baby. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you, guys. When you think Toronto, when you think Canada, what do you think? You think Rush, you think Drake, you think Michael J. Fox, you think Laura Harrier. Uh, what else do you think? You think Josh Eberly from NBA.com Canada and Hoops Mag. Uh, Josh Eberly is joining us to talk about the Toronto Raptors who said, that's far enough, Philly. Stop it. Josh, welcome to Take Line. Uh your thoughts on this on this series thus far? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on here. Appreciate it. I knew that Canadian flag in my Twitter profile would pay off eventually, right? <laughs> <laughs> had had to keep it plugged. Um, no, you know what I mean. I think this was a series that was very hate fueled, and there were a lot of people who would love to have seen Joel Embiid and James Harden flop in a historic fashion, Doc Rivers included. And it just it hasn't been it hasn't been the case. Uh, yeah. this team has a rapport, you know, they have a, a history of being scrappy and fighting hard. And you saw that in game four and great on mm-hmm. similar to towns last night, great on Pascal coming out, answering the bell, having that kind of a game after all the criticism that was being levied his way after losing Fred in that game. Um, you know, you expect nothing less from a Nick nurse team, but at this point, I, th- I think you look at the talent disparity and if, if Tobias Harris is going to be a positive factor, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, that's the nail right there. But, Josh, like, I, I agree with everything you just said, but mm-hmm. Joel Embiid has this torn ligament in his thumb, right? Or sure. some kind of damaged ligament in his thumb. Yeah. Um, it's James Harden. It's Doc Rivers. It is the Sixers. <laughs> like, if any, I'm just saying, if anybody, I'm not asking you to predict it, but if anybody was going to blow a 3-0 lead for the first time in NBA history, maybe this will sound stupid Monday night, but, like, 
it would be them, right? Also, like, series at 3-1, I feel like you guys got them right yeah. where you want them. <laughs> That's right where you want them. You know what? I think I did. Maybe it was you who tweeted. Somebody tweeted out, like, if you were going to cast a movie about a 3-0 lead being blown, you would start <laughs> yes, with James Harden. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, can't, I can't lie. It's true. But, like, on the other end of that, like, you look, maybe Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, if you wanted to cast two guys to dig yourself out of that hole. You know what? Toronto felt like a team this year that, like, really found something within themselves. Like, Fred was playing his best ba- basketball. Pascal was making a case that maybe he could be more than that, you know, supplementary co-star. Scotty, obviously, rookie of the year. Huge surge. Like, they are, they're a really good team, but I still don't think they're there. And despite the James Harden fall off and Joel Embiid's thumb... And, you know, some suspect officiating that, you know, foul foul play oh, on the foul play. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Say it, John. Yes. Say it. I, I, Say it. I don't. I, dirty, aren't they? are on the take, the, aren't they, Do Josh? what Taylor Jenkins did. <laughs> Call him arrogant. Call him <laughs> arrogant right. refs. Yeah. Netflix <laughs> dropping their news about the Donahue special a day after that Raptors game. Oh, my God. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, boys. Uh, let's talk about that, okay? Because... Uh, one of the notable things about this series was I think it was for a lot of people that that watched the NBA and opine about the NBA. It was the series that people kind of circled as watch out for this one as, as a potential like Jason, upset. You know, Jason, I picked the Raptors in five. A <laughs> like lot a of people listen. <laughs> listen, you're not alone. Right? You're not alone. I had I had the Raptors. I thought it would go seven, and I had Raptors in seven. But I, but I thought it would be close. You know, I think a lot of people. P- looked at some of the kind of like underlying factors, the fact that Matisse Tybel wouldn't be available in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, James Harden's played on the stretch of the oh season. And, and just the way that a Nick Nurse coach team plays, the amount of looks on defense that they give a team. Uh, and they thought, uh-oh, look out. Now that hasn't occurred. One, what do you think happened here? And what did, what, what did we all get wrong, Josh? I mean, I'm probably going to oversimplify. And like, I, what was the ESPN panel was 11 and 12, 11 Toronto, 12 Philly. Like a lot yeah. of people were split on the series, mm-hmm. but like we always talk about how games slow down the playoffs. Half court offense is super important. And like, whatever we think about James Harden, I think Harden and Joel are still the two best half court players in the series. And then Maxie had been incredible. I mean, yes, yeah. yesterday wasn't his best game, but Maxie's putting himself into like that star conversation. And I'm going to keep mentioning Tobias Harris because Sixers fans were ready to beg this guy <laughs> and send him to any other place <laughs> in the world. Anybody. And yeah. he can't, Any, and he can't For miss. years now. He can't yeah. miss. Just so. like, get his ass in Sacramento <laughs> right now. Like, we're done with him. <laughs> things, have, things have gone right for them. And like, Scotty's got hurt. Fred's got hurt. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a different yeah. series. I'm not going to do the, like, the what-if-isms. But like, it, it truly hasn't been Toronto at full strength here either. Yeah, because I think, at least in like the Scotty injury, right? Because yeah. I, I'm huge on Scotty. Like, I actually, here's, a, here's an exclusive for you, Jason. I love First it. on take line. I changed my vote last minute to Scotty Barnes for Rookie of the Year. Official ballot Whoa! right there. How about that? Yeah. Him won, Evan Mobley too. They'd give you the keys yeah. to Toronto for that right now. I think... Like, I think right yeah, they, yeah, that yeah. was my whole reason for it. It was just yeah. like, what can I get out of Toronto? No, but I, I do <laughs> think, and I think, I think if you, I think like Sixers fans are going to laugh at that idea or like it just, any random NBA fan is going to laugh at that. But like Scotty is like really important to what they do. He's not the best player. He's not even the second best player, right. but like having a guy that does what he does, does unlock a lot of things on both ends of the floor. So not having him was pretty big. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's crazy to think too. I was looking back that Jalen Suggs comment, which I really believed him, you know, pre-draft mm-hmm. last year when he was like, You're gonna regret it if you don't take yeah. me. And I was like, I believe I believe him. Like the way he was oh, playing sure. that, I believe him. But you know what? Credit to Masai because Scotty, like the way that he played this year all the way through, but especially the last couple of months to even be talked about as such a key factor in a series with Harden and Embiid. And wow. Yeah. Hell of a pick. Okay, let's talk about the officiating. Um, Joel Embiid notably sidled over to Nick Nurse and was like, stop whining about the fouls. Then Joel Embiid, after the last game, a Raptors, a a stirring Raptors victory in which they dug down deep and did all the defensive things we were expecting them to do over the course of the series. They did it. Uh, Joel Embiid ended the game by derisively clapping the refs off the floor. I did like what that, are you? though. Yeah. I did like it. It was a good <laughs> yeah. move. And I like, listen, it's all spice for the soup, which I like. I like a spicy soup. But, Josh, what are your thoughts on on the uh, the referee? Well, like a, a couple things, right? Like, I think the idea that you're going to force Joel Embiid out of the post and you're going to swarm him when he's the biggest guy on the floor by far, he brings those elbows up. You're going to have hands in there. You're going to get calls against you. So I will get, I'll give Embiid that like the Sixers fans are like officiating is not supposed to be 50, 50. It's supposed to be called the fouls where they are. And I think fans have a hard time with that, but both of these teams are grifty. These are grifty teams. Pascal has had his moments in this series too, but like the, the hypocrisy and lack of awareness from Embiid was very delicious. I can't, I can't lie. Like the whole, like quit it nurse, you know, let's not talk about that <laughs> clapping at the fit. And then he did the very famous, I'm not going to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about this moment in his presence. I do it all time. the time. Yeah. I, I, I similarly do that too. And if you're going to roll that way, I mean, people are going to have their fun with it because how can they not? And I also think like just in that series alone, I think Toronto could benefit from more whistles just because I do think that they've been pretty aggressive at times, but also you'll see Pascal dribble around for 16 seconds and then put up a bad contested shot or just like throw it to Fred. Be like you do it. Like I, you know, at the end of the shot clock, like I think that Philly is obviously more forceful because they have been bead and that, that lack of like aggressive consistency from Toronto probably hurts them getting those calls in the other end. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I, like the reality is, I don't know if it held, but the first 15 games or so they were together, it was like the most fouls ever accumulated by two players on the same team <laughs> at the same time. Like, I don't know how the script was going to flip for the playoffs. Like it was hopeful, right. but it, it just, it wasn't realistic. So This team's, the Raptors, their half court offensive struggles have been, you know, talked about all season. I think it's a nut. They're not going to be able to crack this series, but going forward, uh, going into next season, what are some of the things you think that the Raptors are going to try to do to just kind of, uh, you know, raise their ceiling? Yeah, I mean, on, I gave Masai some credit earlier. Having Maxi on the other team in this series probably would have helped them a little bit with that if Masai had just <laughs> decided that Lowry playing home games in Tampa wasn't that important. But, you know, that past the pass. Um, I think for Scotty and OG, like just the next steps for them as being the on-ball creators. Like Scotty's done a little bit more this year. There was a lot of hope for OG coming into the season. I felt like he was an NBA Twitter darling outside of Toronto. Um, obviously missed a lot of time with injury, but like does he have that next level as being a dribble drive guy or is he going to remain like the defensive Swiss Army knife open step back shooter? I I think if OG has that next slayer or if Scotty continues to improve, like that's sort of their answer. 
But this might still be a team that has four amazing second secondary tertiary players in need of, you know, that primary creator as great as Fred is the size. And um, so maybe, maybe that's something they're still looking at in the trade. I uh I was big on Precious Achua when he came out and then and then Insane. I really liked his rookie year with Miami and and knew kind of what their plans were for him like I think they looked at him as like not the next Bam out of bio but a guy who could do some similar stuff and then he gets moved to Toronto obviously and you've seen him progress throughout the year but before the season was over it might have even even have been that game against Philadelphia he brought the ball up the floor and took a three in transition without ever looking to pass. And he hit it. Yeah. And I just remember, like, I immediately flashed to Andrew Bynum and was just like, what the <laughs> hell is he doing? Oh, my God. I feel like, he kind of has this now. Like, do you think that Precious is maybe not as big a part moving forward as someone like as someone like Scotty? But, like, he's a pretty important piece, I feel like, to them, to their future. I, I think he's really slotted in well. And I, I don't know, maybe you guys see something different, but like I, I don't know how much further the ceiling is or like how much they would run for him. But like his ability mm-hmm. to stick in all sorts of sets and be a floor spacer has certainly like increased how viable he will be in a bigger role moving forward. So I, I definitely think he turned yeah. out to, to be a good find. He's not Maxi, but he's been a good player for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a little hung up. If you do you want to just give a love letter to Tyrese Maxey right now? Like, I feel like, like I'm, I'm with you. We can pen it together. Like, I just, he's incredible. Man, I know, right? We yeah. can try. There, yeah, was yeah. That, there was that game last year where everyone in Philly was out. Like it was like Reed mm-hmm. and Isaiah Joe and Maxey and like Mark Wahlberg. Isaiah Joe sounds like such a fake player. Like, know, it really does. Like, it sounds like when you let your 2K like run yes. into like yeah. 2045. And right. Then- they were doing like open tryouts, man. Mark Wahlberg's character from Invincible was on the floor i think like um, but like maxi went for like 30 something points in that game and denver had no idea what to do with them and it was just like one of those moments where you're like wow this kid is really special and everyone can see this like my grandma's watched the game she can tell this kid has it and then to then see that game and be like you know what we're gonna hold on lowry and we're not gonna trade for maxi because we really want thigh in the deal it's just always gonna rub me in a bad way yeah Thank you for letting me air that out on Take Line today. <laughs> after, all, after all Messiah has done for yeah. this organization, it's like the guy no. he can't he no. can't win. Look, all right, you Josh, pass on Tyrese yourself. Maxey. Get him yeah. out of here. I know. I'm still angry about the way he has swindled uh, my New York Knickerbockers over the years. It's a painful. It's painful. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> Josh, uh, there's been. In seemingly every series and to seemingly every contender, there has been a notable injury. So things are really in flux right now. You know, a world in which we watch the Celtics and the Warriors square off for a finals matchup is is seems like a very real world that could that could appear to us. What are your give us your predictions for uh, Eastern Conference finals, Western Conference finals and and finals? Yeah, I I think with the Middleton injury, that is going to swing me Boston's way. I think Boston is going to go against Philly. Um, the Lowry injury obviously is another significant yeah. bump to to Miami, whether he's out there or not. You know, those, these things linger. I think Philly, everyone's going to hate. I think it'll be delicious. Like everyone will hate Philly going going into <laughs> the conference finals as they just get hacked all the way. But I think Boston, Philly, and I still think Golden State, Phoenix, and hopefully Devin Booker can get back out there. Paul can keep the ship steady through this series and then Booker can get back. Cause it would be, I would genuinely feel terrible for, for the Suns and Chris Paul, if Booker wasn't able bad. to go like it just, yeah. what a terrible run of luck. 
I, I agree. Uh, yeah. They were my pick uh, early in the season to go all the way, and I I think that they can win. Uh, I think they can beat the Pelicans without Booker, but it uh, you know I don't think they could they could go all the way. Uh, he is Josh Eberly of NBA.com Canada and Hoops Mag. Josh, it's been wonderful having you here, man. Good luck. Uh, free Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Yeah. Free Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> congratulations on, on having such a fun team. Uh, Nick Nurse forever. All right. Yeah. Appreciate it, boys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Josh. means it's time for take survivor the game where only the strongest take survives today we have an incredible collection of talent here to to uh, give us their takes and find out which of their takes is the most ferocious the most victorious coming to us from wave tv where he is a senior creator formerly of the ringer and espn he is sean you sean how are you i'm doing great really excited to get some takes off yeah you know him from the Athletic NBA pod, from all of his other pods, from guest hosting this podcast right now. He is the great, the unmatched Zach Harper. Zach, how are you feeling today? I don't feel confident in this game at all. Like, okay. at well, all. Or maybe, uh, he, maybe I'm just slow playing it. Maybe I'm doing psych that. us out. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, exactly. Shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He is a former journalist, a current television writer on Bob's Burgers, Netflix, Cartoon Network, various other things. He's also the co-host of the, the terribly funny Air Buds podcast. He is Mike Benner. Mike, how are you? Hello. Ready to take it to the streets, baby. Let's go. Take it to the streets. She is a musician, a writer, a comedian, the premier sports-centric tarot card reader in the world. Ariana Lenarski, how are you? Hello, America. I'm excited to be coming back from 3-Zip with the Nuggets. We're going to do it, baby. <laughs> yes! You heard it first from a person who can see the future. Folks, <laughs> this is Take Survivor, and what does that mean? I'm going to tell you right now. Three rounds, three prompts, first two rounds. Our contestants will give their take. Then everyone on the Zoom call will vote on whose take is the weakest. We will compile those votes, and the person with the most votes will be ejected from the island. Including in the voting pool, of course, are our contestants. We go to round two, where the same exact thing happens. Another person ejected. The people who are ejected stay in the voting jury, and then we go to the finals, in which case we all vote for the winning take. The winning take. Don't worry, I'm going to repeat all these instructions again. Is everybody ready to go? Yes. Great. Yes. Here we go. Yes, Jason. First prompt. Coachella, uh, as we all know, is going strong right now. I believe it's the last weekend. Uh, Unfortunate for all of us fans of of a quiet and uh, (laughs) easy to navigate Los Angeles. Who is your dream Coachella Headliner. Who is your dream Coachella headliner? Let's start with you, Sean. Who's your dream Coachella headliner? 
So Danny Elfman recently did a set and people uh, said that it was extremely chaotic. He played like the Simpsons theme song and a plethora of other things. So I'm going to go with Hans Zimmer with an orchestra behind him. I think Zimmer, there's, baby. there's a lot of movies there that uh, would, would really, you know, hype up my Coachella experience. Uh, so 58-year-old Danny Elfman, swole as hell. We go <laughs> with 60... Sick tatted up. Sixty something year year old Hans Zimmer, who of course has played the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh shouts to the great Hans Zimmer. Zach Harper, who is your dream Coachella headliner? I really want to go with someone who would have to be a hologram, but I have to stay true to myself. It's someone who every time they come on the radio, playlist, whatever, you just feel better about it. And to headline Coachella with Shaggy, you think it's going to get better and more energy than that? Exactly. Everyone wants Mr. Boombastic on there. Shaggy, it wasn't him. Uh, a proud mm-hmm. native of Riverhead, Long Island. Shouts to Long Island. Shouts to Shaggy. An incredible mm-hmm. Does he have enough songs? Well, he can just do It Wasn't Me. Do the and three that's doing them. Yeah, just, just keep doing them. Just make it a medley. It doesn't matter. You got to have a problem with that? No, of course not. <laughs> no one will have a problem with that. You uh, can be the first artist to continuously play all three days of Coachella <laughs> only playing that song. And people would love it. Yeah, just one song one day, then the next, then the next. There's the three songs. Uh, big fan of, of my fellow Long Islander Shaggy, Michael Benner, your dream Coachella lineup. Uh, headliner, okay. excuse me, your dream Coachella headliner. Headliner. Well, it's funny you said lineup because this this act in, encompasses a lot of people. You know, we're all we've all been out at the bar or we've been to a wedding and people yeah. are trying to get the dance floor going. And the one song that gets everybody on the dance floor is "Back That Ass Up." And I want to have the entire lineup of Cash Money Records, wow. the Cash Money yeah. Millionaires, wow. Birdman, mm-hmm. Mandy Fresh, BG, Juvenile, Lil Wayne, and Turk. Let's get them all out there and just do a mega set. That's three hours of hits right there. <laughs> I'll tell you what. When I hear the strings from Back That Ass Up, something in me just stirs that can't be controlled. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Uh, clearly you do, Mike. Uh, Ariana, your dream Coachella headliner. I really struggled with this because I can't imagine going to Coachella. That sounds really miserable to me. So yes. I was like, what What would really, truly bring me to Coachella? And I was like, the only way I would go to Coachella, and I think everyone could agree with me here, would be if my mother headlined. I think everyone can wow. relate to that idea, like the fantasy of seeing your wow. mom headline Coachella. Just like out of sheer curiosity, like what would she do? Like how would she what, handle that situation? <laughs> what's her, just like, a, what? what's her opener? What's mom opening with? That's what I'm wondering. Like, will she have a band? <laughs> like what is her, like, what's her band name going to be? Is she going to connect with the audience? Like, is she going to criticize the audience? <laughs> like, <laughs> I would learn so much about her and I'd most importantly be putting her on the spot and I can't pass up that opportunity. I absolutely love it. A wow. Fantastic take. Let's you just pitched go. a really good episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the voting, folks. Here it is, the first round of voting. Who will be the first take ejected from the island? Will it be Sean, who says, hey, Danny Elfman uh, did it. Why can't Hans Zimmer do it again? Uh, or will it be Zach Harper, who said, uh, you know who's going to get ejected from the island? It wasn't me. Because I want Shaggy at Coachella. Will it be Michael Benner who said, bump, 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 bump. Gotta hear those strings for Back That Ass Up with the Cash Money Millionaires. What a star-studded 
lineup that group was for a hot second. Or it'll be Ariana who says, you know, I what would be surprising, what would be shocking, what would be absolutely dumbfounding, what would be heartwarming, what would be uh, uh, conversation-inducing would be my mom just randomly on stage at Coachella. I would get a million texts. I'd be like, hey, is that your mom on stage at Coachella? Yes, that's my mom. And so uh, the votes are coming in now, and we are compiling them. We have one vote for Sean Yu to leave the island. We have one vote for Mike Benner to leave the island. We have another vote for Sean Yu to leave the island. Two votes, Sean. We have one vote for Ariana's mom to leave the island. Oh, no. Wow. And then our final vote for our first ejectee on the island is for Sean Yu. Sean, I'm sorry to say... I think it was the fact that Hans Zimmer had already played. Yeah. Sean, what do you have to double, say? Double dose. You know what? I'm just glad to be on the island. Glad yes. to experience it. It's uh, really disappointing that my torch is being uh, snuffed out this early. But, you right. know, I'm, I was happy to be here. It was wonderful to have you. And fire is your life. And your fire is still burning, just not here. <laughs> Let's move on. Next prompt. What NBA stat would you like to see implemented in future NBA seasons, there, we've we've all witnessed this, the explosion of advanced stats, whether it's VORP or PER or net rating or offensive rating or per 36, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What stat, whether it's invented or real, would you like to see come to the, to the fore as the preeminent stat when talking about NBA basketball? Let's start with you, Ariana. What is your ideal NBA stat? Well, this is something I'd like to include in the repertoire. I would call it a fit to win percentage. So fit to win. A fit to win. And it's how often a really cold fit before a game will lead to a dub or a loss. So if they're looking good while they're Mm. walking down the runway to the game, do they then win or lose? And honestly, my first thought was that LeBron's would be low. So, a low fit to win, yeah. wow. so a low correlation. So we're, what we're yes. looking, so let me just back up and try and, and tease this out. What we're looking for is a correlation between a good, unique, and dynamic fit and a, a win. dub and a dub. Yeah. Who do you who do you think would have the strongest uh, fit to win correlation? Oh, I mean, I'd love to at least see Kyle Kuzma's. That'd be really interesting. <laughs> wow. Like, or maybe even Will Barton. Yeah. I think. Well, actually, I also think. Uh, the guy who was on the, I can't think of his name right now, was on the Rockets, so it's like a million shoes. What is his name? Oh, PJ oh, Tucker. PJ Tucker. Oh, PJ, Tucker. Yeah. PJ, PJ Tucker. Tucker currently. That would currently be of the, super of fascinating. The and I guess maybe Russ. Interesting. Well, Russ, I think. Yeah. Uh, that might not be. Russ, that might Russ be. and LeBron's, I think, also low, although, you know, maybe not over the yeah. course of the career. But career-wise, I think Russ yeah, has yeah, got yeah, pretty career good wise, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Career-wise, yeah. I think it's pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Clarkson good. would have an interesting one. Jordan Clarkson's got yes, like a, because they get that. a lot of wins yes, and he's got yes, great yes. fits. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I think Shea Gilders Alexander is like one of the, mm. the best dressers in the league, but currently mm. on a tanking team. So. We need to figure out a way. We need to figure out, yeah. Yeah, it's but also, weighted. But also, he misses like 30 games a year. So do you count the one, oh. count the ones where he misses, right? And they lose no. all those games. So he might actually have oh, a yeah. very surprising one. Yeah, I don't know how we would incorporate like 
people who are injured and sitting on the bench in suits. Mm-hmm. I don't here's know if that counts. Here's what I think is great about this stat is like it is the it would be the first ever unified stat. Like we break stats down by like preseason, regular season, postseason, play in now. Any game that you show up to that you play in that you walked into wearing clothes is part of this stat. So you would you would right. just use so it'd be every single game. So I think that would be really interesting. Mike Benner, what NBA stat do you think should exist and should be uh, used going forward as the way we discuss the NBA? I think um, you know we we have numbers for everything now. You can quantify just about anything in the NBA and life really uh, yeah. by by math. So I want to go something uh, a different way, a little more poetic. And I think every team should be assigned a like Chaucer like uh, writer who kind of catalogs the lore of each season. And, yeah. and like oh we got a full like kind of view of like what's happening. Like uh-huh. did Delonte West actually fuck LeBron's mom? Like right. we mm-hmm. would know if we had a documentary in there. Wow. Right. So you're saying like a herald. Like each team needs like mm-hmm. a herald that, precede, that precedes the team and yeah. is like, hear ye, hear ye, about to arrive in the arena from the great city of Philadelphia, the cradle of liberty in North America. Like that? That's exactly what I'm also, talking about. They're also yeah. documenting it. So like we we would know like, do the Nets, do, do any of, of Ben Simmons' teammates on the Nets like him? Like I want to know that. <laughs> I, I absolutely love this. Right. And we can release the books like 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, right. like to, to preserve the kind of like privacy of the team, you'd keep them sealed until like a certain date, 10 years or whatever, after the last member of that team is like retired. And then you open the books and you can read the history. I actually love this. How much did Donovan uh, Mitchell and Rudy Gobert actually sit together? Right. Like, yeah. Like how many like, times? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was it just the one idea. time that Quinn Snyder like happened to walk through the cafeteria and was like, oh, things are going good. <laughs> um, Zach Harper, what is an NBA stat that should exist and should be used? Oh, man, those are two tough ones to compete with. But I um, look, I believe that advanced stats have a place in the NBA. I'm not going to go out there and say like, oh, it just means shoot threes, you know, but I also am kind of sick of what they represent. I'm kind of sick of them not capturing the entire story of what they're supposed to represent, especially defensive stats. So I have an advanced stat that is three parts. Uh, It's called the Coward Index. And the Coward Index (laughs) is made up of, one, how many business decisions did you make as a player was attacking the basket? Two, how many times did you you pass the ball at the end of a shot clock so you didn't take the hit for your field (laughs) goal percentage? And three, uh, how many times did you uh, switch off a player willingly so that you didn't have to guard them anymore? Mm. So that those are the ones like how many times, you know, like if you're if you're all of a sudden like you've got James Harden, he doesn't have the ball. And then Draymond's like, get the fuck away from James Harden. Like, I got him. You go guard this other. You go guard, guard like Andre Robertson or someone, right? So it's all those three. They're all weighted in a different way, but it creates the coward index number. Who if you just had to like you know, off the top of your head, guess who's like the top five of the coward mm. index are. Who would you guess is in the is is up there in the coward? Index? I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is gonna be high, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, Cat is gonna be up there, uh, maybe at an all time rate. He might just go home and have a glass of wine and think about that and decompress. <laughs> sure. 
Uh, maybe the all-time leader after this season is LeBron James because that dude was making a lot of business decisions on mm. on uh, on the defensive end of the floor. So that would have been heavily weighted. Um, I think that uh, Nikola Vucevic is going to be there. Wow, uh, Vooch is going to be up there for sure. Vucci man. Yeah, yeah Vucci man is going to be there. Literally anyone who's played for the Kings over the last 16 years is going to be high King. on the list. Like that's a tie. Um, and then I think uh, I think one final one that I that I believe would be very high up there is uh, is any any center any washed up center that like the the Mavs or the Rockets or now the Sixers are bringing in like an Andre Drummond a DeAndre Jordan right. like any of those guys I think are gonna be very high on there. Uh, this is all fantastic answers. Let's go to the voting, folks. Who will be? Eliminated from the island in this, the second round of Take Survivor, will it be Ariana, who says, my stat that I want to uh, to use in the NBA going forward, and I think that Adam Silver should implement, is fit to win. How much does a great outfit correlate to winning or losing in the NBA? It's honestly not been explored yet, and we need to figure it out. It would be Michael Benner, who says... What about poetry? Forget numbers. What about words? What about narrative? I really, what about, regardless, what I a, want this to be implemented. I'm going to like be one of those. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. about does that? I'm going to what, yeah. what about oh What God. about what Paul Bettany? What about Paul Bettany as Jeffrey Chaucer in the 2001 medieval mm-hmm. action comedy A Knight's Tale? Starring Heath Ledger. By the way, one of the, best, right, one of the best sports movies ever made. Absolutely. Accurate, what accurate, about yeah. what about a figure like Jeffrey Chaucer in that movie, played mm-hmm. by Paul Bettany, better known as the Vision in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe? Or will it be uh, Zach Harper who says we got to know who's afraid, who's running from the smoke, <laughs> who doesn't want the grind, who's scared of it all? It's certainly not P.J. Tucker, who I'm watching get into it with uh, members of the Hawks team right now on my secondary screen. Uh, Who's passing out of the shot clock late in the game? Who's trying not to get dunked on? Who is scared of the smoke? Votes are coming in now, and we're starting to compile them. Oh, gosh, folks. Uh, First vote is for uh, Michael Benner, uh, sadly. Uh, Second vote is for Ariana. Another vote for Ariana. Two votes Ariana. One vote for Michael Benner. Uh, one vote... Oh my gosh, folks. We're, uh, one vote for uh, Zach, uh, though it was very difficult. And another vote for Zach, which brings us to a head-to-head. Oh my God. Oh my folks, God. two to two. Ariana versus Zach. This means that everybody has to vote again. Zach and Ariana, you cannot vote. Everybody else must vote for either Zach or Ariana to be ejected for the island. We're going to the vote off, folks. We have, oh gosh. Close make the man. Come on, Patriot. We have Come one on. vote for Ariana. <laughs> one vote for Zach. Another vote for Zach, and we're waiting for that last vote. We're waiting for that last vote, folks, from... And our our second person ejected from the island is unfortunately oh. Zach Harper. Zach Harper, what do you have to say? It was wow. What an honor to compete against, and I want to include Sean yeah. on this as well. The just three unbelievable competitors. I knew I didn't. Once I heard yeah. those two, 
ideas for the stat. I knew I didn't have a great chance. I'm happy to have fought. I'm happy to have had my flame go as long as it could. And it's just an honor to be here with you, Jason. It was an honor to be here with you, Zach. Uh, What a magnanimous, humble, Mm. and honestly stirring way to go out. We go to the finals now. It is Michael Benner versus Ariana Lenarski in uh, a true matchup of champions. Folks, I I can't believe something called the Coward Index did not make it to the finals. (laughs) It didn't make it. It didn't make it. Uh, But that is that is that is the fickleness of destiny, the fickleness of fate, and the fickleness of of Take Survivor. Uh, the greatest game on the internet. Folks, here's our final prompt. The MVP, uh, as we all know, is a award that is voted on through the regular season. Regular season stats and uh, wins and losses and such uh, are counted. Everything else that happens after that is not counted. But let's put that aside. Through the first round of the playoffs, who is our MVP? So who is our first round playoff MVP? Forget the regular season, just in this first round of the playoffs. Ariana, let's start with you. Who is the MVP of the first round of the NBA playoffs? Okay, this is a really, really hot take. It is. And my really hot take is that the MVP of the first round of the playoffs is Ben Simmons. Oh I'm going to say why. Yes! <laughs> you better say Imagine why. Imagine getting What if you smoked? just didn't say anything? What if you just stopped talking? Maybe that'd right be more it? powerful. Maybe that'd be more powerful. <laughs> no, tell us. Though, we got to know. We got to know who it is. <laughs> Listen, like... Imagine getting so much attention for doing so little. This guy is front page news. It's really amazing. Like, if he takes a shit, people want to know which <laughs> toilet bowl. They do. That's celebrity. He is the celebrity of the NBA. He's the moment. He's everywhere. He's nowhere all at once. He's like Beyonce. <laughs> and he's keeping the Nets relevant, frankly. He really is. Like, Will he hear why? Like, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> like, it's I don't really know. true. And I give him, I just feel like I need to give him my award for most fabulous player because credit where credit's due, we are all being played right now. So I'm impressed. And you should be impressed too. That's my take. <laughs> Michael Benner, who should be the MVP of the first round of the NBA playoffs? You're never going to believe this, but Ben Simmons was going to be my answer, too. <laughs> Just give it to us. Fuck it. For like, the same a, exact reasons as Ariana. As a Sixers fan, let us know why. He is a call-out king. He doesn't go to work. He doesn't have to. He's collecting his paycheck. He's like, ah, maybe I'll show up. Uh, and then... He realizes work's going to be hard tomorrow. So, you know what? I'm I'm good. I'm not going to call in. All right. But <laughs> look, I can I can pivot. Yeah. And I'll be more earnest. My actual MVP okay. was almost Jason Tatum. But narrative matters. And so I have to go with Joel Embiid, my guy for my I favorite love it. team. I, All right. I love it. Third in points. <laughs> third in rebounds. 50% shooting percentage, fifth best PER in the playoffs, all doing it with a injured hand, a, a torn tendon in his thumb or ligament or whatever. And he had the best shot of the playoffs so far. Incredible Turnaround three to win in overtime. Did so Joel Embiid is, is my answer now. 33% a three-point shooter has been an up-and-down three-point shooter throughout his career. Did you think that was going in? No, I thought I, I did not. <laughs> did you like that play when it was unfolding? I was... Absolutely shocked to learn later watching like Doc Rivers was mic'd up and that was how he drew that play up. He did draw, he drew it up exactly like He that. drew a fucking broken play somehow. 
uh, incredible. Let's go to the voting for the finals. And one more reminder, folks, our jury is going to be voting for the winner. You're going to be voting for the winner, not the person who has been ejected. And who will it be? Will it be Ariana, who says Ben Simmons? You're driving the narrative. You're driving the, the pizzazz. You're driving the heat. We can't stop talking about that, uh, that like, uh, college ecstasy dealer outfit that you were wearing on the sidelines. We can't stop talking about the fact that you said you were going to play and everybody knew you weren't going to play and then you woke up with and your back hurt. Now you're definitely not going to play in game four. We'll be Michael Benner, who also was going to pick Ben Simmons for very, very personal reasons, <laughs> but then pivoted for equally personal reasons to the great Joel Embiid, who is truly gutting it out with a, a torn ligament in his thumb that is going to require surgery, which he is going to put off uh, until the until after the season because uh, that's how a person that makes millions of dollars uh, to play basketball does it. Unlike, unlike Ben Simmons. We are going to the voting now. And folks, we have one vote to win for Michael Benner. We have one vote to win for Ariana. We have another vote to win for Ariana. We have another vote to win for Michael Benner. It is 2-2. Two, two. Uh, folks, it really is a, a co-winner today, but we're going to give the crown to Ariana Lenarski, who had an incredible, incredible answer about Ben Simmons. But uh, our, our vice winner uh, is Michael Benner, folks. Let's hear it to both of you. What do you have to say, Ariana? Let's start with you. This is my fight song. Take back my well, I just never thought I would win a million dollars. It's one million dollars. I feel so so excited, and I'm, I'm just writing gonna, the check right now. I'm going to place it all on a bet for the Nuggets to get into the second round. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, Michael Benner, your thoughts on what it was a stirring uh, rendition of Take Survivor today? Well, when I saw you starting the write a check, I instantly regretted uh, giving the win to Ariana. So, uh, <laughs> uh, fuck. Uh, Sorry, we've only got the one. Mi- we've only got the one million dollars. I'll take you out to dinner. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and that's that. been it, folks. Thank you from all of us here at Take Survivor headquarters. What a fantastic game it takes, Survivor. Catch you next time. Goodbye. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode. Plus, my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out, folks. Bye. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Drawer. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah de Alaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for Vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.